0: And I think that Tariq Nasheed has touched a chord in our community.
1: Yes, I, sir.
0: I agree.
1: With them, hidden color uh, yeah, sure. presentations, all of them are like, That's all it. time, all That's time. It. Oh my
0: God. And, and you know, Hidden Colors 1 was, came from the most accessible scholars in the community. Whoever you see in Hidden Colors 1 Made an impact on the community because that's what Tariq Nasheed saw that had him call us up to ask us to be in Hidden Colors. That's
1: right. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. And, and so, all that work that I did on the street, see, because a lot of those DVDs, they, you know, folk contact me, they say, Wow, you know, I know you say that your son is working with you and he's part of it, but wow, I didn't know that brother could drop the knowledge like that. And teachers no no that's me 30 years ago they, they, what they did is that they located a, a, a um a, a video cassette that had been de- converted into a DVD <laughs> that was put on YouTube I say no that's not my son now that was me 30 years ago during a presentation
1: been doing the work
0: because they they see me now and they saw me then they say it's not the same person but they couldn't fathom that that could be me 30 years ago Mm. that was before dvd that was before youtube that was before dvds and cds i've done work when it was um um video cassette and audio cassette Mm -hmm. i have lectures on audio cassette yeah that was before all this this was before the media that we have today but people were ingenious enough to be able to take that, that That aspect of the work And convert it to DVD And then put it up on YouTube Wow
1: Yeah, man, how about that Rob and I watched a video Of a, um, of a gentleman that he was doing an interview I don't know how familiar you are with Lord Jamal From the Brand Newbians Oh yeah, oh yeah Yeah, the gentleman was doing a, um, an interview with Lord Jamal One of the things that he talked about, me, Matthew. Talked about this sometime. Excuse me
0: Philippe Matthews.
1: No, it wasn't Philippe Matthews. Remember the gentleman's name? Nah, his name is Jesse. something. he was an older guy. Yeah. But what he was basically talking about was he he was talking about um, segregation and he kind of laid out almost as if he his presentation was saying that he felt that in the days of segregation, things were better for black people because it was, you know, we that we as black people, we basically force ourselves on white people to integrate and as a result, we have these hard, ho- these horrible relationships. What's your thoughts on that in terms of if modern day segregation existed,
0: is that something that we should be interested in? We were not interested in integration. We mm-hmm. were interested in desegregation. Mm-hmm. We were interested in sitting in the middle or the front of the bus if we got on. Mm-hmm. We were interested in being able to eat in any restaurant we wanted to. We were interested in going into anybody's bathroom that we wanted it wasn't about integrating with them it was desegregating the laws so that african and african americans could walk america free to go where they'd like to go and not be subjected Mm -hmm. as it relates to what actually happened see they turned it around to integration because they were trying to scare the other europeans like what you see happening today they're trying to scare folks they're coming into your neighborhood they're coming into the suburb Hell, we're trying to get white folk out of Harlem.
1: (laughs) Period.
0: (laughs) You know, this thing is living back in the 50s. (laughs) It ain't about black people going to the suburbs, it's about suburban white people coming to uh, black neighborhoods around the country. Chicago, Brooklyn, Bronx, Harlem. Yeah. We ain't trying to go in their neighborhood, we trying to keep them out of ours.
1: Yeah. The same
0: property they told us wasn't worth anything is now worth millions of dollars. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the same forces that drove Europeans into the suburbs is the same forces that's trying to get them back into to the city. The city. Money. Money. You know, here in New York, we you know we have Long Island, and um, after World War II black folk came back. Like I say, they were ready to do things. They were ready to move into neighborhoods. They didn't want to hear nobody going to tell me I can't do something. So they started moving. And so to scare white people, European American real estate agents began to build up Long Island. Mm. And a lot of Europeans began to move out to Long Island and they even built the railroad, the Long Island railroad to be able to get white folk into the city and back. (laughs) This is how deep it got. But what these European real estate agents did not tell them was that this was Native American land. Long Island was Native American land. The Matinacock and the Shinnecock peoples live out on Long Island. Yep. And because of that, Europeans used that island as a toxic dump. Yeah. And then they started building houses over dumps. And then, starting around 1960, 1970, women of European descent in a strange way, started to contract cancer. Mm-hmm. And everybody was trying to figure out why are these pockets of cancer coming? And that's because they they worked on the fear of Europeans to get them away from black folk, knowing they move anywhere mm. without asking any questions. About and that. they did. And now the European Americans and people of all backgrounds are dying out in uh, Long Island because it's, it wasn't used as a toxic dump. Mm. And their houses are built over toxic dumps. Their houses are built over Native American burial grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> and, and, and so my idea of integration, let me tell you another story. There's a brother years back. I used to see him on the Ed Sullivan show. His name was Peg Leg Bates. He was a brother used to dance. He was a dancer. He had been in an accident and his leg was taken off and he had a peg leg and he used to dance. He, he could do things with one leg and a peg that people with two legs couldn't do. Right. <laughs> he bought out a, a resort, upstate New York, where we used to have a camp for our people. And I remember in the beginning of the camp, it's 1995, I was uh, standing outside and, and Peg Leg Bates came back. Now, you have to realize that this is like um, this is like Chris Brown today. Peg Leg Bates was that type of person back then, okay? Star, be it Chris Brown or Michael Jackson, whoever you want to pick, but he was a star. So I'm looking at this man coming to me. I said, I used to watch you on the Ed Sullivan show and blah, blah, blah. And uh, he told us a story about how he bought this resort because black performers could not perform for the most part comfortably and that black people couldn't go to resorts because they were segregated. And he said that he made so much money when he opened up the resort that he bought more land and expanded his resort. Mm. He said that when 30 buses would be going back, 30 buses would be coming in. Wow. He said the worst thing that ever happened to him was integration. Mm. Wow. Yeah. We have a place known as Monticello here. Mm-hmm. That's like a resort area. Blacks couldn't go there. One of the first things that Monticello did was open it up for blacks to be able to go there. That took away business from Peg Leg Bates. Because mm. everybody believed that white people ice is colder than black people ice. <laughs> <laughs> So just to say I've been to Monticello, Mm. people would go there, and it took business. So to answer your question, there's a a reality that we have to face, and that is that integration did do this to us. It it, it took our money. The only thing that integrated was money, Mm. because the school system in New York City is more segregated today than it was the day I was born
1: yeah you know what And that's a great way to me to piggyback on my next question because not only you're a professor you also taught kindergarten yes you know, talk about the importance of teaching our children the knowledge of themselves
0: well let, let 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 me tell it to you like this as as a kindergarten teacher i could tell you that i could write a book on how many of my four and five year olds Said to me, You look like my daddy. I wish you were my daddy. Mm -hmm. Can I call you daddy? Mm -hmm. To which all my response was, I am your daddy. I may not have brought you in, but it's an African tradition that Baba, Baba, I am responsible for your well being as long as you're in my care. That's right. So I am your Baba. That's right. I have, since I went on Instagram maybe a month and a half ago, I've had students that are in their 40s contact me and and remind me of what I did for them. And let me tell you, it wasn't anything big. It wasn't like a big uh, uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. It was just a, a conversation that when they were having problems, maybe in math or language arts, I would say to them, you'll get it. It's just a matter of looking at how we can work it so that you can understand what it is that I'm saying. But you've got the potential to do it. I've had students tell me that alone gave them confidence. That's all they needed.
1: Yeah.
0: That's all they needed. But you know, I tell them that they say, well, what was your key to success? I said, my my key to success was that I love the children. And if you love somebody, you will do whatever you have to do in order to make them a better person. I really respected them I loved them I enjoyed them and in my class we had a great time up now I had my hard heads okay I had my hard heads I've taught every grade I've taught every subject and I've even taught college and PhD candidates Mm -hmm. but you see I did that in order for me to be able to come to talk to y'all about this so that I did not try to ascend because I've been an assistant principal. And the one thing I learned about being an assistant principal is the one thing I don't want to be is an assistant principal. I'm a born teacher. It's, It's just in my blood. Imparting knowledge is just my flavor. It's what makes my blood circulate, my heart beat, you know, hormones move and being around children. And also there are those that will tell me, brother, you know, I really appreciate your, your approach and your method of teaching because you can make some complex things real easy for me to understand.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And I always tell them, well, I appreciate you thanking me, but if you really want to thank somebody, thank my kindergarten and first grade children. Mm -hmm. Because as a teacher of five-year-olds, you cannot assume that, that your students know what you know so you got to break stuff down to its lowest common denominator right. right and and give it to them in a way that you can build their neuronic connections in their brain right and to do that and to practice that i used to always say okay now i'm going to teach about the planets but i just can't go in there and start talking about the planets how can i break it down and so i had a dance i called it the dance of the planets where i would have two students normally a male and a female They were the sun And then I would have A student Be uh, uh, be um, Mercury And then And then um, uh, Venus uh, You know Earth Mars Each one would be a planet But Because I had so many children Left over Everybody else became The asteroid belt <laughs> And They would have signs nice. Of what, what planet they were yeah,
1: you got you to gotta teach you gotta teach babies in baby language, man. You got to get some them. That's it. And,
0: and I'd play music and they would dance. And they would move around the sun the way the planets do. They'd mm. say, hey, I'm Mercury. Hey, I'm Mars. Hey, I'm Earth.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I went okay. to school in the, in the South Bronx. You
1: know, I grew up in the South Bronx, went to school in the South Bronx. And I can't to- go? I went to um cs198 on tintin avenue and then my middle school was um 158 which was right across the street and you know there there were um there were some good teachers there i can remember vividly in in eighth grade i had a teacher by the name of mr long um he, he was like really invested in the kids black black man um but there were things that i knew about teachers that i probably wasn't supposed to know like i remember being in Fourth grade and hearing a teacher talk about tenure. In fourth grade, why do I need to know about tenure? Mm. You know, and that, that, and you begin to you begin to understand like there are some people that were genuinely there for the kids and they made an investment in the kids, and there were other people there that it was just. A, and, and I'm a firm believer that like when you're involved in people's life, you know, part of your work of being involved in somebody's life is different than if you work an assembly line, you know, at Ford. And you, you don't care about the cars But if you're working with people You got to care about the people to be affected oh, yeah.
0: oh, absolutely Anything that deals with the society You have to be And talk about Tintin Man, back in my day Before I was a vegetarian Man, I used to be kicking Johnson's barbecue. Oh yeah, yeah! I know what you're right by Forest and everything. I know One, it. One sixty third, brother. One sixty
1: third. It's crazy you mentioned that place because my grandmother lived in Forest, and every time I lived, it, I went to my grandmother's house. He went to that. <laughs> Johnson's
0: Barbecue, yeah, right by Forest. Johnson's Barbecue. It's Johnson's still there Bar- too. Really? Yes, yeah, yeah. still there. And you know, when I first started, because I built five charter schools. Before they were charter schools, they were known as New Vision Schools. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I met with certain people of the community. And I remember my first meeting was across the street in the projects oh, uh, right on 163rd. It wasn't on Tintin, but it was up the block a little bit from Tintin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my first meeting uh, developing the pre-charter school was right there on 163rd, right right near Tintin, but not on Tintin. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm
0: and and so yeah man i remember the bronx because i was in district nine which was like my our southern boundary was yankee stadium okay PF one uh, ces 145 mm-hmm. okay. and then our northern boundary was 181st and webster mm. and then we went from fulton over to the harlem river okay uh and and i remember i was an assistant i was a teacher and an assistant principal at a school right off of sedgwick and i and and and, and i remember when when cool Herc used to have his house parties how about that that was the, that that was the beginning of the house parties that was the beginning of djing and MCing. and then our brothers and sisters uh and and, and some people say it was basically the hispanic community but it, it was also african-american community used to take boxes and open them up and they start doing break dancing on the corner, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. and
0: then doing battles and things like that. That's you know, right. that's what I grew up in. When I first started teaching in 1979, there was a song on the radio that broke through. It was called "Rapper's Delight."
1: The uh-huh. Hill, Hill Gang. The Hill Gang.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, dealing with Niles Rogers, "Good Times." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I remember Abio Dune of the Last Poets and Felipe Luciano. Mm-hmm. Those were the streets that we walked down. And that's why Gil Scott Heron said that the revolution would not be televised. Because what you see happening on the street today out there with the Black Lives Matter, that's not the revolution. That's the result of the revolution. Because the revolution happens in the mind. And when you have that revolution in your mind, you start doing things that you wouldn't have done if you didn't have that revolution. And nothing can stop you. Yeah. And we're at a point right now in our history, we're never going back to the way we were before. People say, oh, I want to go back to the way it used to be. Oh, hell no. That's <laughs> what got us in this. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What was what was so great about how it used to be? Yeah, good, people thought about, well, we'll go back to the good old days. Black folk ain't never had no good old days yeah. in America. Yeah. You ain't never had no good old days. And if you ain't, first of all, black folk ain't had no good days. So how could you have good old days if you ain't never had good days? Our good old days are in the future. Exactly. Our good yeah. days are in the future too. Mm-hmm. We we just like Dr. King said, we have difficult days ahead. We just got to get through this right here. That's
1: right. Yeah.
0: I get concerned
1: though that the whole Black Lives Matter movement is being um, co-opted. You know, it, it's once corporations get involved and it becomes a tagline, you know, all these things that are now coming to fruition and now we see it on TV are conversations that have been had for years but now everybody wants to be on the right side of history. So now it's become something that's popular. For me personally, I need to see the action behind it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, my analysis of this right here is that this has never been our movement. I said in Hidden Colors One, black folk don't have a problem. White folk have a problem. Mm -hmm. Black folk problem is that white folk have a problem. (laughs) What you see happening right here, we're in the middle of it because black folk are in the middle of everything that happens in America. But this ain't our problem. They, they're they not co-opting us. They're not taking our movement. This is their movement in the first place because they are mentally disturbed and they have to solve their family's problem. And th- there are some that have been, th- th- their pineal gland has been thawed and there's something that they realize. If you plan on being in the future, you better stop your evil ways. Mm. This what you see happening out here. I'm happy, white folk. It's about time you've been out here. We inspired them to do that. We are not that movement. We we look at it that way, but psychologically, this is not our problem. We just happen to be the recipients of their problem. But the real problem is amongst white folk, and they bet they were doing this when they were in the ice mountains. Yeah, they fighting amongst each other. Look at their history when have they never been at war and even if they're not in a hot war they're in a cold war (laughs) Uh, they're always at war but first of all they're at war with Mm themselves because once you get take care of this in here everything else on the outside solves its problem Mm -hmm. but right now you're dealing with a a, a really mentally distressed people and they've been mentally distressed now I would say probably 7,000 years Mm -hmm. Their time is up But that's not what's important to me What's important to me is What are we doing? Are we prepared to start our own economic system? Our own educational system? Are we able to govern ourselves? Are we able to have a proper health and nutritional diet to eat? Are we able to hire ourselves? Do we understand the law? These are areas that we have to look into because when all this dolly house fall, what are we gonna do? We'll fall with it. We have to have a plan. My contribution is education. I, I try not to get into other people's pads mm. because I'm gonna tell you something. Some folk have a problem with Dr. Ben Carson. A lot of people do. But Dr. Ben Carson told me a valuable lesson. He taught me a very, very valuable. Ed- you know, I used to, when I taught language arts to eighth grade students. I used to use his book, Gifted Hands.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. And
0: and I used to play classical music in the background. I used to play Beethoven because he used to play classical music when he was operating mm-hmm. on infants' brains, separate twins. I had an enormous amount of respect for him. I saw a TV show, Like It Is, did an interview with. Dr. Ben Carson I was so taken back by this brother's brilliance I used to teach his book Gifted Hands to the 8th grade and then
1: was Beethoven or more
0: oh yeah yeah Uh, uh, he was a black Spaniard in fact outside of his house in in Bonn Germany and in uh, Vienna there's a sign outside his house it says Svatsa Spanierhaus which means the black Spaniard's house I have a whole DVD just going right in, not just Beethoven, but um, uh, Mozart's teacher was a brother named Suleiman. Goethe, G-O-E-T-H-E, one of the greatest poets of Europe was a black man. Beethoven's student, his most prominent protege was a black man named George Bridgetower. This is history.
1: Yes, sir. Right. And, again,
0: Let me say one more thing about Ben Carson.
1: Though. i gonna tell you, here's my shameless plug because we got history
0: calendars. 2001 Black. History calendars. Here we go. That ain't shameless. That's business, brother. That's marketing. That's <laughs> and, and and I had uh, known that, man, I would have held up my book, Spirituality Before Religions. No, you got and Look, we got time, man. If you got time, we got time. I... But then, yeah. this about Ben Carson. Okay. Ben Carson taught me a most valuable lesson and it goes back to what I was saying before when Ben Carson left medicine and went into politics and then went into HUD and when I hear him speak and talk he taught me that an absolute genius can become an absolute fool when they get off their path Hmm i will always stay on my path i have an idea about politics that was my major in college i have an idea about uh spirituality but i'm not a minister or an imam or a rabbi i have an idea about economics i have two businesses but i would not venture onto the path of economics to tell people how to do economics. i'd leave that to dr boyce watkins or george frazier or karen hunter or um or um Uh, Our brother uh, Dr. Claude Anderson Mm -hmm. My lane is education That's what I know I would never go in And he taught me Kaba, Stay in education Don't go into someone else's lane That's better than you At what they do Because if you're that good In education And they're that good In politics Share and learn From each other But don't try to get on their Lane and tell them How to do it That's what Ben Carson taught me. Because everything that I ever felt for him will never be the same. Mm. If I were teaching today, I could not and would not teach his book because I wouldn't have the passion. I could teach it method, methodologically, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't teach it with a fervor of honor like I did before. I just honored this brother. Yeah. He is a disappointment. He's the example of a uh, miseducation of a Negro. As brilliant as he is. He's academically genius. He's a brilliant surgeon, but he's emotionally unstable. Yeah. And that's just something that I deal with, I think about, and it's it's just so sad. It's so sad. Yeah,
1: yeah Zane, I know we are hogging up all the questions. Nah, it's all good. Do you- Uh, Do you think that he was a genius in the sense of uh, planning it that way because he didn't want to be like at the forefront for people that, you know, constantly put
0: put pressure on him? It's hard. you know, To be like, you know, one of the forefronts of of people that can possibly make a change in the black community? Well, he had gifted hands. Mm -hmm. That was his lane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Doing things that no one else could do. People come from all around the world to be under his scalpel because of his genius
1: mm-hmm.
0: he is in the african-american uh, museum in washington d.c but he has shown himself to be absolutely incompetent in the area where he is right. and i think that i might be there also if i went into an area that i was not familiar with what, what creates an intelligent person is to know your boundaries. Stay in your boundaries.
1: Yeah, right. yeah. But I, I feel like part of, part of his involvement now in politics is also about tokenism.
0: Could be. Could very well be. But I knew the boy was out of his mind when he didn't become the Surgeon General. Why would they put him in HUD? Yeah, yeah. He I mean... should have been the Surgeon General.
1: That made total no sense Yeah but No but that, that, that goes back to what I was saying before Maybe he planned it that way Because he, he wasn't comfortable Or he didn't He just didn't feel that he was the one
0: Well by now he should know He ain't the one for nothing that's going on Right, <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> by now, be, You
0: know hey listen Okay I, I'm i done When he threw his wife under the bus For buying that, that table for $39,000 I was through with him When he put the blame on his wife <laughs> what kind of man are you you gonna throw your wife under the bus <laughs> oh,
1: the implication of tokenism zay I, I feel like honestly it's he didn't make that choice that choice was made for him he was put in that position somebody somebody who thought they were brilliant came along and said black man you know esteemed black man who's known for doing one thing let's put him in hug because we associate hud you know, how, what is it? Housing and urban, 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 urban development. Urban development? We yeah. associate that with people of color in there. Perfect yeah. marriage, but it wasn't well thought out. I don't know yeah. if he made that choice. I think they was just like, we need a position in a cabinet for a black man. Boom, here you are. And that's it. I yeah. think that's what to
0: do. And he's as much a failure in there as this administration has been not only to America, but to the world. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I like about what has happened is the fact that something has been proven that I've always believed, and that is that people of Indo-European descent are not as intelligent as we've given them credit for. We've seen them like the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz really projects himself onto a wall and speaks into a microphone for a booming voice Mm -hmm. to appear more powerful than he really is because he's nothing but a a little incompetent man that hides behind a curtain. Mm And the thing that we have to realize about this story, and I do a whole thing on this story with children, because I show the Wiz. And when the Wiz is Richard Pryor, you know you got a good show. And so, you know, the Scarecrow wanted a brain, the, the Tin Man wanted a heart, and the Lion wanted courage. And all Dorothy wanted to do was to be able to go back home. And in order to overcome his greatest adversary, He said, if you want all those things, I'll give it to you. But you got to bring you. You have to get rid of my competition. You have to get rid of the witch. And the only way to do that is bring back her broom as proof, as evidence that she is no longer alive. And so they went out and did it. And what killed her? Water. Because she was funky. (laughs) They brought the broom back. But here's the key, what they found out. The, the whiz told the scarecrow, but you don't want to devise the plan. And all of a sudden he starts saying, oh, E equals MC squared. And he starts going through all this stuff. He said, Tin Man, you were the one that was willing to risk everything to make Dorothy be able to get where she has to get. So you have a heart. He gave him a little plastic heart to put on. And then the scarecrow protected them and said, "Well, well, uh, well Lion, you protected them. So you have courage. And all of a sudden he said, he has courage. And then all of a sudden this, this um, uh, whiz gets into a, a hot air balloon. A lot of metaphor there, hot air. Hot air. But he goes off. But then out of the heavens comes the good witch. And she tells Dorothy, all you have to do if you wanted to go home was to click your heels three times and say I want to go home so what I tell the black folk is I say look everything you want you already had look at the scarecrow he wanted a brain but he all he always had a brain but he was waiting for someone to tell him he had a brain Man wanted a heart but he was waiting for someone to tell him he had a heart and the, the lion just wanted to be uh, the, the courageous one and he was the one that was protecting people he always had courage But he was waiting for someone to tell him. And Dorothy, all you had to do, you want to go home. All you had to do was click your heels three times and say, I want to go home. You would have gone home. So the black folk, I say, you have everything you need. You have brain, you have a heart and you have courage. And if you want to go back home, if you want to go back where you were born to be, just say, I want to go home and click your heels three times. We're waiting for someone else to tell us something that we already know.
1: We are, No, that's right Remind us, that's right man.
0: We don't need anybody to tell us anything We don't need ministers To tell us that we're spiritual mm-hmm. We don't need economists to tell us we're rich We don't need educators to tell us that we're smart All we need is an educator That will lay out a, a formula For you to be able to embrace your genius hmm And as we wind this conversation down, there's two things I want to do. One thing I want to do is I want to finish the third time. Remember I told you about the Greeks and the Romans? Mm -hmm. And then I told you about the Moors. This was their second chance. This was the Renaissance. What we are right now, starting in about 1619, I call it the Trenaissance. The Greek Roman was the Naissance or the birth. the moors were the renaissance or the rebirth right and the Renaissance is the third birth Traina. and europeans had a chance to get this together asians had a chance to get this together but their moral compass is broke i call this the omen empire this is falling this is the third time that they could have been helped by black people and they are so corrupt in their morality. Even the third time they couldn't get it. So three strikes, you're out.
1: Bye-bye.
0: And we better learn better. And then I just want to say this. About us as a people and about when when we're going to do what we have to do. Guy visit his friend. And they're talking outside the house. And there's a dog at his friend's feet. And the guys are talking to each other. And the dog is yelping and crying and screaming loud. Ow! Like in pain. And the guy looks down at the dog and then the owner of the dog ain't doing nothing. So he's just keep talking. And so the guy keep talking. But the dog keeps yelping and crying. And the the guy's looking, and he sees his friend ain't doing nothing. But he's looking at the dog, and and then he know he say, "Hey, now he realized why the dog is yelping." He said, "Wait a minute, your dog. Wow, your dog is laying on a plank of nails. He's bleeding. He's yelping. He's in pain." And the owner say, "Yeah, I know. When it hurts enough, he'll get up." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'm gonna ask black people, mm-hmm. when we getting up off this plank of nails, we crying, we complaining, getting up. Mm-hmm. When we getting up off this plank of nails, don't get comfortable, because you can get comfortable in pain. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to do for you, We have to realize how great we really are. And when you study your history, And like I want to tell folk Please go to my website Kabakamene.com K a b a k K-A-M-E-N-E I've got a free e-course Six day e-course For the book that I've published Called Spirituality Before Religions Which is available on Amazon Mm -hmm. You can get a Kindle Or the hard copy Spirituality Before Religions But my website has a free six day e-course Because I'm trying to prepare the community For what this book is about to tell them Mm. this Sunday if you go to my um, uh, Instagram you can register for my um, webinar I'm doing this Sunday 8pm Eastern Time 5pm Pacific Time where I'm explaining the book and this webinar is on the Old Kingdom and the Pyramid Text and there's something very interesting that I'm going to talk about about the Pyramid Text as it relates to modern day religions Mm i also have my study guide up earlier brother rab you spoke about what i sent you Mm -hmm. well this is my revised study guide it's free Mm. it is the most valuable thing i could give the community that's why it's free it's 44 pages but it's free and it's free because i've always believed that the most important thing that you ever do should be free everything else has a price But this is a priceless contribution that I'm giving to the community. Dr. Clark used to always say, when you are on your road, going someplace, always create a roadmap because you may not get to your destination, but if your roadmap is done properly, those that come behind you can complete your journey. This study guide is my roadmap of how I would teach what I would teach. The books that I use to teach, the pages that I give you to study the African presence in America, the African presence in Europe, the origin of life in Africa, the origins of Africans in Asia, melanin, spirituality, the Dogon, all of that is right there. The books are there. The pages are there. But more importantly, it's broken down into ways that you can study it. And so that's at Kabakamene.com. Yeah. Dr. Kaba, before you leave, give us your Instagram also. Instagram is Kabakamane. Kaba K-A-B-A-K-A-M-E-N-E.
1: Thanks. Well, we appreciate you giving us it, you know,
0: this time tonight. Man. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Did y'all record this by the way? Yes, sir. Oh, good, good, good. Because I see it's live. But yeah. but but I'm 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 looking, I'm trying to figure out where the uh okay yeah that's good brother and and please you know know that that i just appreciate what you all are doing
1: thank you that means a lot coming from you believe me we're looking forward to this discussion i've been looking forward to to meeting you for a long time anyway
0: okay okay well much respect for what you're doing i appreciate you know like i'll end my part with this another story about john henry clark Mm -hmm. uh when i was in my late Uh, teens and early 20s same time i'm talking to him getting close to him that you know there was one day we were on the train we had come from someplace that he was doing a presentation and i'd gone with him carry his bags and give him what he needed and i you know i said to him you know you know dr clark i I could never repay you for what you've done for me and he smiled you know sarcastically and he looked at me out the corner of his eye he said I know you can't pay me. You ain't got that much money. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, the way you can repay me is to do for others what I've done for you. That's
1: right. Okay. What we're doing
0: here is my ability. My my chance to thank Dr. Clark for what he did for me. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, charge y'all. Give you a charge. I'm a teacher. i got to give you homework.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your homework is to do for others as I've done for you. Pass the baton to the next generation. And to do that, all you got to do is keep on keeping on because it ain't over till we win. Your podcast is magic for our community. They need to hear what you're saying. They need to hear the people you bring on to discuss these topics. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate what you're doing, brothers. I respect you. And I honor you for your integrity, and for all that you do. So keep on keeping on. Shannon, Mr. Rab, and Zane, and all those that are listening.
1: That's right.
0: Keep on keeping on, because it ain't over till we win.
1: That's right, that's yes, right. Work to do, but it ain't over till we win. It's been a pleasure, it's been a pleasure, Elder. Thank you so much for sharing your time, your energy, and your knowledge, man. We honor you, man. Big, man.
0: Next time, looking it's forward to it.
1: Let's try it.